I'm John Carter in Moscow. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, reporting from India. In Colombia. I'm John Carter. Today on the Carter Report, John Carter talks about same-sex marriage and the mark of the beast. We give you an extraordinarily warm welcome today. Australia has just become one of the Me Too nations. <laughs> Over in Australia, um, about 61% are saying Me Too. They've joined those countries that have declared themselves in favour of same-sex unions. Uh, about 61% of the people said yes. They are now following the example of the United States of America, Canada, New Zealand, Great Britain, France and Germany, and others that have repudiated thousands of years of established custom and moral law with that hardly a shrug of the shoulders. Today I desire to answer a number of questions that I think are of vital importance. I do so, thankfully, not as a politician, but as a Christian who believes the Bible. I don't ask you necessarily to agree with me, but to consider what may be of great relevance to our peace, prosperity, and our well-being. May I say these words with real sincerity? Too often the LGBTQ community has been treated badly by some people who call themselves Christians, some churches, and I think for many years by society in general. I believe this has been wrong and we should all say, I'm sorry, because the way we have acted has not represented the spirit of Christ. We should never forget we are all children of God. Sadly, we belong to a fallen humanity and none of us is whole. We all need God's amazing grace. I want to say to every person, I think our attitude ought to be, we may disagree with you, but in spite of our disagreements, we love you because Jesus, of course, loves us. And Jesus, of course, is called um, the, friend, um, the friend of sinners. Now, the topic today is a rather explosive topic. Same-sex marriage and the mark of the beast. What have they possibly got in common? We're going to start by sharing two texts. The first one is found in Matthew chapter 19 and verses 4 and onwards. And... Uh, this is not from the church. This is from Jesus. Matthew chapter 19 and verses 4 down to 6. And he answered, this is Jesus, said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? This is Jesus. He made them male and female and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife male and female 
and the two shall become one flesh, so then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Don't be mad with me. The Bible says, quoting the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the beginning he made them male and female. And Jesus said that a true marriage was between a man, one man, and one woman. This is what the Bible says. Now, please listen to me. And I say to my Aussie friends, give me, please, a fair go. Please listen to what I'm saying. Now, I want you to come now to Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 and verse 16, which seems at the start to be totally irrelevant. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two arms like a lamb, spoke like a dragon. Here is an antichrist power that arises in the last days. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. What on earth has this got to do with our topic today? Let me tell you briefly because I'm going to elaborate as we go along. In the last days, people will become uh, exceedingly intolerant. And unless you see it their way, you are going to be boycotted. And I can show you that in the last days, the mark of the beast is tied in with changing the law of God. More to come. Now we're going to ask a number of questions and hopefully give a clear answer. Number one, do we have the right to choose? Has God given us freedom of choice? Do I have the right to engage in sexual activity that is condemned in the Bible? I would say, yes. I do have the right to choose my own lifestyle as long as my right does not infringe upon your right. But God has given to us the gift of freedom of choice. I want you to come to Genesis chapter 3 and verses 1 down to 10. Genesis, the third chapter, and verses 1 down to 10. Would you please notice it in the Bible? Now the serpent, that's Satan, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. 
For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. The greatest teaching in the Bible is that God loves people. God is a God of love. Listen to me. God gave us a dangerous gift. Choice. The ability to choose good and evil. You see, I could not love. I would not have the capacity to respond to love if I had been made a robot. So God gave to us a dangerous gift. It was choice. We can choose good and we can choose evil. I'm going to tell you an amazing story. It comes from one of the greatest authors of all time, the Russian Dostoevsky. He talks about the Grand Inquisitor. The scene is Spain. The occasion, the burning of a hundred heretics who dared to challenge the church. And after the burning of the hundred heretics, Christ arrives in the town in Spain. He walks around, the people fall down before him and they worship him. They say, it's really Christ. He heals the sick raises the dead, he does miracles. The people are worshipping him, but the great inquisitor, the Jesuit, comes and says, throw him into prison, in the dungeon, he says to Christ. We will burn you tomorrow, Christ. Why have you come back to trouble us? And all the people bow down before the grand inquisitor. That night, the Grand Inquisitor comes and visits Christ, who is in the prison. Christ is sitting there waiting his execution the next day at the hands of the church. And the Grand Inquisitor says, Christ, why did you come back? We've worked so hard to make things good. We, we were going good. Why did you have to come back, Christ? And by God, I'll burn you tomorrow. Then he says this. This is just a little quote from Dostoevsky. We corrected your great deed and founded it upon miracle, mystery, and authority. See, that's what people want, miracle, 
mystery, authority. And people were glad that they had once been brought together into a flock and that at last from their hearts had been removed such a terrible gift, choice, which had brought them so much torment. Were we right to teach and act thus, would you say? Did we not love mankind when we so humbly admitted his helplessness, lightening his burden with love and allowing his feeble nature even sin? But with our permission, why have you come to get in our way now, Christ? By God, I'll burn you tomorrow. And Jesus says nothing. And the Grand Inquisitor goes on and on and on and then says, and they shall have no secrets from us. We shall permit or forbid them to live with their wives or paramours, to have or not to have children, all according to their degree of obedience. And they will submit to us with cheerfulness joy the most agonizing secrets of their consciences all all will they bring to us we shall resolve it all and they will attend our decision with joy because listen it will deliver them from the great anxiety and fearsome present torments of free and individual decision All will be happy. Christ, why did you come back? This is a tale told by Ivan to his brother in the book, the brothers Karamazov, one of the great masterpieces. And because Christ is love, he gave us a great and a wonderful gift, freedom of choice. I can choose. I can't tell you what to do. I can urge arguments upon you. I can preach to you, but I cannot forbid you to do this or that. Because God doesn't even do that. Freedom of choice, a very dangerous gift. But without that gift, I am a mere robot without the capacity to love. The church, my friend, can preach, argue, and teach, and it should but it cannot take from people the right to choose their own destiny, even though that destiny may be, in my opinion, evil. So God is love. We can choose. Number two question. Do people have the right of freedom of speech and freedom of worship? Now, there are people today from the liberal left and the radical right who would tell me, you can only believe what I tell you you can believe. We are in an age of gross intolerance from the left and from the right. Do people have the right of freedom of speech and freedom of worship? Come with me to Revelation 17 verses 1 to 6 for a little bit of history. Revelation 17. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me saying to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot which sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk and crazy with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast 
which was full of names and blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and filthiness of a fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon uh, the Great, uh, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled uh, with great amazement. What is it talking about? It is talking about the union of church and state in the dark ages. I, I spoke about this a little bit last week. This is a description of the day when the church and the state became one and when the papacy ruled the world. During the reign of papal Rome, there was no freedom of speech and no freedom of worship and no freedom of choice. And most people were happy because the burden of responsibility had been taken from them. During this time, there was a terrible persecution of nonconformists, Jews, Protestants, Muslims, and nonconforming Catholics. They were all persecuted by this dreadful system that some people confuse with the church. That organization that did these abominations had nothing to do with Christ. They were a counterfeit. I believe in the separation of church and state that all people have the right to argue, teach, preach, and advocate ideas that may be objectionable to the majority. This is guaranteed in the USA by the First Amendment. This operates in the domain of public affairs, public universities, not in private institutions. If you work for the Ford Motor Company, you cannot be advocating the sale of Chevy trucks. So when it talks about freedom of speech, it talks about freedom of speech in the public domain and in universities and all state institutions everywhere, except where people are employed by certain organizations. Now we believe or every true American believes in the freedom of preaching things that may to some of us be totally objectionable. I might even call what you're saying hate speech, but you have the right to say it, even though I object to it with all my soul. I would remind, and some say, I, I, don't, I don't like this because uh, you can only say those things that I think are acceptable. That is an abominable idea, I tell you. It is totally un-American, unchristian, and unacceptable. But today, people on the far left and the far right believe in freedom of speech for themselves, but not for the rest of us. I would remind you there was no freedom of speech and no freedom of worship in Nazi Germany. Didn't happen that long ago. 95% of the people went along with it. You say, no, it can't be true. Yes, 95%. So truth is not necessarily on the side of the majority. And just because 61% or 75% or 95% says something is true, it doesn't make it right. Don't forget this. 
There was no freedom of speech and no freedom of worship in fascist Italy. No freedom of speech and no freedom of worship in communist Russia. I have been to Russia 49, 50 times. I went there when the communists were ruling. They were the far left. People say, no, no, no. yes, they were the far left. There was no freedom of speech and no freedom of worship in communist China. Not much there today. No freedom of speech and no freedom of worship in communist North Korea. Zero. Or even in many American universities. Can you believe it? In many American universities. Where they have what they call uh, free zones. And people say, you cannot say anything. You cannot teach anything that I may find offensive. I would say to such young people, it is time for you to grow up and realize that you're living in a real world where many things you're going to discover are offensive. So I believe in the free exchange of ideas and I believe that you have the right to say to me and to teach things that I dislike intensely. So we believe in freedom of speech and freedom of religion. I do not believe in many religions, but I believe that I must defend the right of those people to practice their religions to the last drop of my blood. And I'm talking about the Muslim religion. And I'm talking about the Hindus and the Buddhists and the Catholics and the Protestants and every person. They may disagree with me, I may disagree with them, but that's not the point. There are two very intolerant groups in the world today, in America, the far right and the far left. But there's one good thing about America that other countries don't have. At least the far left is balanced by the far right. But in some countries, uh, even the country of my birth, it seems to me that the far left is the power that is heard all the time and people are afraid to disagree. Remember, the Sadducees were the liberals and the Pharisees were the conservatives and both put Christ on the cross. Bad as each other. So I say to you, as an American, let freedom ring. Now, here's a very important question. And I hope my homosexual friends will be tolerant with me and will believe in freedom of speech now. Why are so many Christians like me so opposed to the so-called same-sex marriage? Why not be more loving? Well, certainly we should be more loving. Martin Luther said these words, my conscience is captive to the word of God. So unless I am convinced by reason and the text of the Bible, I cannot and I will not recant. So you see, some of us have convictions. Some of us actually believe. There are too many passages in the Bible that condemn sex between men and men and women and women for me to ignore what the Word of God says. See, this is my dilemma. I want to fit in. I want to be friends with everybody. I dislike quarrels. But first and foremost, the Bible says, Thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Therefore, 
My first allegiance is not to the US Supreme Court or to the Australian Parliament. My first allegiance is to the Word of God. And what am I going to do with this text? I want you to come over here to Leviticus 20 and verse 13. Leviticus 20 and verse 13. Now some would say this is hate speech and it should be removed from the Bible. Some people have said this. I've heard them say it on American television. This is hate speech. I would remind you, it is the word of God. Leviticus 20 verse 13. Here it is. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now I can hear a thousand objections. You're saying we should put people, no, no, no. What I'm saying is this. In the Old Testament, you had a theocracy. It was different to the New Testament system. You were church and state. Religious law was civil law. And if you broke the Sabbath, you were put to death. If you cursed your father and your mother, you were put to death. If you committed adultery, you were put to death. How many would be left today? But if you did those things in the Old Testament, the judgment came immediately and suddenly. And this is not done today. Thank God we leave it to the hands of a merciful God and the last judgment. But the Bible does say, if a man lies with a man as a man lies with a woman, that is an abomination. So as a Christian, here is my dilemma. Am I to go along with the majority and say, I will fit in? Or will I say with Martin Luther, here I stand, uh, I can do none other. Much more to come. Just moments away. Stay with us. Remember when common sense was common? Life had clear choices. Right was right. Now, right is wrong, and wrong is right. Spiritual vigilantes are riding in to divide and conquer towns across America. They are taking God's law into their own hands. John Carter would like to give you a free copy of Spiritual Vigilantes by Danny Shelton. Read this book and you can counterattack the counterfeit culture created by the PC police. Fight the spiritual vigilantes with the truth. This is a wake-up call to Christians. Copies are limited, so call the number on the screen, write to us, and order your free copy of Spiritual Vigilantes by Danny Shelton. In this series, John Carter will provide the answers to life's most interesting questions. Seven great signs of the apocalypse. If the dead are unconscious, who are the beings that pretend to be the dead? Is there such a person as the devil? What is the essence of Antichrist? 
What is the root cause of this deadly malaise? America was founded by people who were opposed to the union of church and state. But if there's a God who loves us, then the future is bright with promise. For a gift of $100 US or 140 Australian, this 13 DVD series, Prophecy Speaks, will be yours. Call the number or visit our website. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.